Welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. And this week we are very excited to be joined by Adam Johnson, the co-host of Citations Needed, a podcast on media, power, PR, and the history of bullshit. His work has appeared in In the Appeal, or In the Appeal, In These Times, and of course, his five-volume erotic time travel anthology on the life and sexual misadventures of Carl Heinrich Marx. Adam, welcome to Shitty Christians. I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Happy to have you here today. We are going to be talking with Adam a little bit about atheism. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the role that religion can and cannot play in sort of leftist ideology and sort of hear Adam's thoughts as his own atheism continues to develop. Uh, meanwhile, Zach and I are going to be trying to convert him. So Zach's right. got his guitar ready. He's going to be doing some soft strumming and whispering, mm -hmm. yes, Lord, while I do the altar call. Uh, but first, Adam... Whenever we have a guest on the program, we love to ask about their experiences with the church. So first question, how has the church hurt you? <laughs> well, so um, I think it's probably fair to say my experiences with the church were not great. Um, which is that is to typically say, our understanding. <laughs> which is to Wait, say, are you yeah. saying a church lets someone down? <laughs> yeah, um, I, which is to say that I grew up in a very... Um, my family was not particularly religious, but my grandmother was. My grandmother saw to it that she was... Uh, put in charge of our uh, theological education, if you will. She was she was mm -hmm. until the day she passed in 2016 an extremely devout uh, evangelical Christian, um, non-denominational, which usually means Baptist, but some variation of Baptist Pentecostalish influences. Um, uh, she even engaged in tongues, um, uh, and that was my so from roughly the ages of about eight or nine to about fourteen, I attended Cornerstone Church in San Antonio. Uh, where ah, John, yeah, so John it's a pretty Hickey big was one. The pastor, very yes. Christian Zionist, um, homophobic, etc. Name it. Um, sort of the worst of the worst. Certainly not. I think it's not fair to say. It's certainly not representative of the Christian faith per se, but certainly not a trivial percent either. No, um, not at all. And it's still still fairly influential, especially with the Christian Zionist movement. Yes, and I believe for a while he was the highest paid clergyman in the country. Although I don't know, I don't, I don't think that's still true. <laughs> always a good sign, <laughs> and it's always hard to tell how much clergy make. Um, oh yeah, that that is not a number they like to share openly. Yeah, it's mostly just guesswork, I think, on the part of uh, third party observers. But um, it's and, how many Cadillacs are in the driveway? Yeah, pretty much. How many? Well, how many it's it's either it's either three hundred dollars a week or three million. There's literally <laughs> yeah, nothing in between. Yeah, and then and then um, yeah, and then I was not. Uh, I sort of believed it for a while, and I was like, that's kind of bullshit. I don't think I believe this. And then I sort of went back and forth as to whether or not I put much thought into it. I think, like a lot of atheists, um, the issue is it's not a defining feature of who I am. It's not much I think about. And I think, for the most part, cultural, you know, religious services are fine. Uh, you know, I, I would occasionally go to church, uh, you know, for Christmas or whatever. Um, we celebrate Christmas. Uh, my wife's Jewish, so we celebrate with, not religiously. Also, secular uh, red red diaper baby. Uh, her father was, and so we, you know, we we, we do uh, we do Hanukkah. We do a secular seder, uh, sort of a left wing seders uh, in my family. So 
that's sort of the 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 summary version of of my religious uh, history. Um, but yeah, I would say the fact that the fact that I did go to sort of a cartoonishly sinister um, church, church yeah, that, a church that fleeced fleeced my grandmother for several thousands of dollars, and then the oh, second she God. yeah stopped because the they're very prosperity stopped, gospel. The the second she stopped having money, they basically iced her out of the church, and then and then she actually went to uh, later in her life went to Buckner Fanning's church, uh, Trinity Baptist in San Antonio, which is a far more oh, interesting. like you know still hashtag problematic or whatever but far more like moderate it's <laughs> it's more sort of like how to be a good father kind of stuff not like all homosexuals and and and, and muslims are burning in hell kind of stuff um yeah yeah just just the standard crap that comes the standard yeah sort of a, it's more yeah it's more like george w bush bad not like Donald Trump bad, if that makes sense. Oh, that's still a... pretty fucking bad. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that it was like you could, you know, you, you could sit through their sermons and pick up like decent uh, life lessons, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't quite as vitriolic. Um, well, you know, the, the relationship between John Hagee and, the, and these, and even the not even just Zionist groups, but actually the Israeli government itself, is something that you know I didn't know growing up and had no way of knowing. And mm. now, now, now it's coming. There's a clearer picture. Of the extent to which the Israeli government, you know, provided him something like four million dollars in land in West Texas uh, under wow. some sort of, in some sort of agricultural program that's somewhat dubious. Um, there's, a, there's a shocking amount of uh, Israeli government influence on our religion and politics. Yeah, which isn't to say that Christian Zionism doesn't have its own, you know, sort of native currents, if you will, or American of course. currents. But it is it's hypercharged by a, a sort of right wing uh, Israeli uh, uh, with an understanding that you know. That's where, that's where bot. That's where you sort of get votes. Um, and, yeah, I mean they're and, fellow travelers for sure. Yeah, like again, I think Hagee had been engaging in some kind of uh, Christian Zionism since the '70s, but it really got hypercharged when he started to enter into these these kind of business arrangements, and and then of course it dovetailed with U.S. imperialism and the George W. Bush War on Terror. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one one of the things you can do is sort of track what the Antichrist was, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe Hagee ah. was even. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Hanky was even condemned at one point by the Southern Baptist um, co- uh, Conference because some of his like I don't know how much you guys know about his his like airport thrillers he writes. Um, that I did not know. Not about. a ton. So, <laughs> okay, so he writes these blue, but I call like the Blood Moon series, which is a very it's a sort of a, I believe it's kind of a knockoff of the. Uh, Left behind, it's kind of like, it's end times sort of ah. thrillers. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And, and, but and more he gets real. He, and he gets heavily into numerology, which I, which I guess is frowned upon by mainstream religion. So he got some flack for that, and he of course also has said pretty anti-Semitic things. He kind of justified the Holocaust as, as God's will. Um, oh no! Said some other, said some other dicey stuff. And obviously, that's that's not even including what he says about Muslims. So that was, yeah, that was mo- sort of my edification. Um, and yeah, it's, it would sort of be cl- clearly that colored my perception of of uh, of the political uses and misuses of religion. Yeah, I mean, even growing up in maybe not as like openly villainous uh, a church, I grew up in a, a fairly small Southern Baptist church. But the connections between like I definitely heard you know about Israel's special relationship with God, and mm. and you know they they were not talking about the people group that was always the government, how we need to protect the government of Israel, and then. Post 9-11, you know, I was in my teens um, when 9-11 happened, and I, I remember very specifically one of my first sort of inklings that, like, 
oh, I think something's off here was being at a like late night church service where a couple seminary professors were, were explaining why, you know, the Iraq war was going to be justified and how it was going yeah. to be a just war. And that was like very much wrapped up in, in the religion of that time, not just the politics. Yeah, because it was very much about, you know, th there's an old there's an old cliche that in the 80s, you know, religion took over politics and i've always but believed it was the opposite i think politics sort of more took over religion uh, or organized yeah. organized christianity in a way that wasn't as as overt and obviously it's somewhat of a feedback loop it's not one or the other but i've always felt like the emphasis was more on on the realizing that if you have these you have a capture you have a captive audience a few hours every week and they're highly motivated uh highly um you know, they'll, you have a very influential platform, obviously, since you, you are, in, so to some extent or another, a vicar of Christ on earth, uh, whether you be, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever denomination you happen to be. And if you say, like, you know, heavily imply, although in Hagee's case, I think he just outright says it because they don't even bother prosecuting yeah. this anymore, yeah. the IRS. You say, like, <laughs> go vote for this or go vote for that person. It's heavily, it's, you know, it's a pretty meaningful endorsement. And so that stuff started to creep in with terms of political relationships, in terms of... Um, uh, funding apparatuses in terms of, uh, you know, because the, the main motivating factor, the, 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 what made it mutually beneficial, as I'm sure you all know, is, is also the idea that, like, no matter what we do, no matter how sleazy we are, no matter what tax cuts we push that you may not care about, we will put federal judges on oh, yes. state judges on benches to outlaw abortion, which is really just about, you know, of course, ch chaining women to the radiator. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a lot, but we're, you know, what you're hitting on is, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, there's a shift among white Protestants, evangelicals in particular, um, particularly with busing, and then sort of cloaking that, or, you know, it's school choice, which is, of course, about segregation, and then cloaking that under abortion. And that has, like you said, led us to this day. Yeah, yeah. We, did, we did an episode on sort of the rise of the pro-life movement and sort of figuring out that some of these early evangelical figures, like, they were just kind of throwing issues at the wall. They wanted to find what would stick to sort of build this, like, right-wing religious coalition. And so they wanted to work on busing, but it wasn't polling well for them. People <laughs> people were already started starting, you know, unlike yeah. Joe Biden, people were starting to get on board with the idea that this was not a good thing. Uh, and so they, they found abortion yeah. and it became the issue. And, uh, you know, up until that time, I, I you know, Baptists widely supported uh, abortion rights. And, and yeah, that's you know, that, what's weird is, about it. Billy, Billy Graham, if I'm not mistaken, early on was pro pro choice. And he was. Yeah, he, he absolutely care. was. George W. Yeah. Bush. Uh, sorry, George Bush, rather. George W. H. Bush was pro choice. Yeah, it was a Catholic um, issue at the time. Gerald, yeah. Gerald Ford, I believe, was 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 the last. I think he was he used to be pro choice. Then when the party moved, he moved and obviously um, his wife, uh, Betty Ford, was very pro choice. So, yeah, that's a pretty modern uh, iteration in terms of how how because the idea was that like this is going to be this is this is something that exists in the secular world and we can sort of um, silo this off, although, you know, morally, it's it's a little incoherent. Um, oh, 100%. I, I, yes. I, I've always felt like, you know, it's like John Kerry's like, as a Catholic, I believe abortion's murder, but it should be legal. And it's like, wait a second. If it's murder. It shouldn't be illegal. I don't. Clearly, uh, that clearly, clearly makes you an asshole, dude. So you're clearly, a bad Catholic and politician. Yeah. Clearly, you really don't think it's murder, which is like, cool, but you should say that. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of goofy dogma around abortion because it's one of those things where if you start giving an inch, we, we start to have this negotiation process. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, so and bizarre. You understand, and you understand why there's why there why that dogma exists but it's a it's a it's it was always kind of a little bit of a, of a intellectually tenuous uh compromise where it's like i think this is the evil and women who do this are evil and 
but it should be totally legal. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, are you okay with infanticide <laughs> now? I'm confused. What's the... I mean, if we um, look at the history of the church, yeah, kind of. We're just sort of being consistent. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, you're right. It is asinine on its face, and uh, it's it is crazy how effective that play was, though. Because I, I, you know, as somebody that grew up in the South, that is that is every other Facebook post uh, from people I I love and care about, but being like, I'm just going to vote for whoever kills fewer babies. Like I, I still see that constantly. It's an incredible. Well, yeah, because if you if, if you really believe it, right? Like if you really believe that, right. A abortions murder it's it doesn't make sense for you for that not to be which is why i kind of don't think in their heart of hearts most people who say that really believe it i'm sure some do oh obviously people who protest yeah because like if you really really believed that then you should be shooting up abortion clinics like you should be you should be engaging in acts of violence so the fact that that's very rare indicates to me that on a very deep level I think on a very visceral, like in, in terms of internalizing the logic, they don't really believe it. It's more about a proxy hatred of women and about women's oh, yeah. sexual agency, right? Like they don't really believe it. No, a hundred percent. And and it's the kind if you have a conversation with the evangelicals, which I wouldn't suggest doing, uh, <laughs> never happened on this podcast. And this is I understand a little bit straw man, but generally speaking, if you're like, but it's not murder and it's not in the Bible, their only response is to go, nah. Like it, I don't think it actually is a belief, yeah. like you said, so much as it's about sexuality and gender. Yeah, and and if and if it, you know any, well, right, it's about sort of reasserting women's role, uh, yeah, as the as change of the stove or whatever. But I think if you look at these things as sort of, uh, which I think is true for a lot of like i think there's more doubt it's just sort of a dogma you have to push but it's i you know i don't this is why they're never coherent about the, the death penalty or about war you know at least catholics make an effort to try to be semi-coherent about that um but it sort of just seems like an issue suddenly everyone's decided was infanticide that you know 20 30 years prior no one really thought that way it's it's one of the it's one of these single oddest instances of about 40 million people just drinking the Kool-Aid at the same time. And we yeah. see no other examples of that sense. <laughs> <laughs> this was in no way an early warning sign for our politics writ large. Well, Look, is it a per- if it's a Venn diagram, is it a perfect circle with Q? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I think for, for, from our perspective, like, uh, we have definitely seen that evangelicals have really grown to relish their role as a political force. That mm-hmm. this started as as outside influence, but at this point, they are they are just fully on board with the idea that they are going to dictate uh, the body politic as much as they can, and whether that's you know judge appointments or you know Hobby Lobby, just you know rewriting the laws of our country. Uh, it it is really. Uh, that struggle for cultural dominance uh, has really come to the forefront of sort of right-wing Christianity in some fascinating ways, uh, like full-on theocracy at, at various yeah, points. Yeah, and if I if I could say something very brief about that, I, I think what you see is it's a further unification of not the literal dogma, but the sort of cultural political dogma of historical Catholicism, which did seek to dominate the state and unify with it, with, and sort of evangelicals doing the same thing. Theocracy is the end goal which was the goal of Christianity in Europe for about 1600 years as well. Yeah, which is why I think I think the 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 politics and themes of of Christian movies are so fascinating to me. Which is why I've seen so many. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. One of our very, favorite topics. They have a constant theme of oppression. Yes. And like, yes. Endlessly. You know, I'm not one of these people who thinks that like Christian I mean, 
a sort of generic Christian hegemony, I think, is pretty much, you know, obviously you can't go five minutes without hearing a Christmas jingle or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I don't, I like, I think when it comes to culture, it's probably fair to say that there isn't Christian hegemony. Like, I think if you see what Hollywood pumps out, they're mostly contemptuous sure. of religion. I think justifiably so. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to, so I don't want to oversell it. But in terms of the political arena, like there's a huge amount of power and influence there. And then if you look at things like just outcome-based things like economic status, socioeconomic status, yes, um, you know, they're definitely not an oppressed group by any objective metric. But if you watch their movies... <laughs> You know, it's like the old cliche about like all all, all right wing, um, all right wing paranoia and all right wing propaganda is projecting existing oppression of people of color and the poor today on themselves in some future. Right. Like um, a lot of these Christian movies are centered around like jackbooted thugs kicking down their house. And it's like, well, we have that. It's called ICE or like FEMA camps. And it's like we have those. They're called detention camps at the border for immigrants. Like, you know, there's and, and you watch this and it's just like. You would think that if I was an alien species who intercepted, you know, God's not dead from a spaceship for some horrible reason, <laughs> yeah. I would think that Christians are like literally being thrown to lions. I mean, that's the... Oh, 100%. You know, and that kind of victim persecution complex is, I'm sure you all have discussed in the show a, a thousand times. I mean, it's pretty much central to like the current ideology. I'm actually sure how far back it goes. Um, is a total inverse. Oh, yeah. It, it is a complete unwillingness to acknowledge reality uh to acknowledge their own (laughs) cultural cachet which i agree doesn't necessarily exist in media in the way that they would want but certainly defines all of our lives i mean employers can avoid paying for your your birth control medication because this one christian company like made it so bought the supreme court and made it happen like it you know yeah they're winning they're winning the war (laughs) yeah and it's just it's another symptom of the right in general i'm hardly the first person to originate this thought being sore winners they've won all the material gains (laughs) but they don't have the the four perverts in Hollywood and they're just they're just they're whining they want everything yeah which is why like there's such a big market for even the mo- most modest pandering to that I remember there was a right. sequence in a quiet place where where uh where there was a prayer Sean Hannity did like 18 hours a day on it it was like oh there was a prayer like you're triggering the libs and it's like I don't know of course no liberal really cared yeah. right uh, <laughs> which is I'm you know again by his CIA connections well yeah like it's it's true though. Like they, like Hollywood probably is broadly contemptuous of of Christian the Christian right. Like because that's who you know the majority of the people there are told that they're subhuman or homosexual deviants. Like of course they're not going to be. Oh yeah. Like let's 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 reach out to that. So then they yeah. have to launch. And now you have these mainstream productions. Like God's Not Dead Three was co-produced, I think, by Universal. Yeah, Sony um, having a, a religious imprint. Lionsgate makes a lot of these. Which, yeah. which sucks because what made them fun to watch is their low production values. And then I was watching yes! <laughs> I was watching God's Not Dead 3 and I'm like, wait, this is like an actual movie sort of. Like it's bad, but it's not like, it's not bad enough. It's not memorably bad. It's in, in the, the uncanny that, like, valley of just mediocre. And so I was like, oh, this sucks. They've ruined it. Now they, I can't dunk on these movies anymore. Um, I know. God's Not Dead really is a truly special piece of reactionary entertainment. It, it's one of the only it, ones it that is. just managed to be so fun. No, both I one and two movie. have, well, both one and two are equally great. Um, Ooh, I don't think we've done I haven't two seen yet. two. That's got to be soon. Oh, you all haven't right. seen two? No. That one's more, I think that one's probably more overtly anti-Semitic, although they're all anti-Semitic, but this one had. <laughs> that's, that's, Jesus, that, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a high bar. Um, the, that's true, because the first one's, well, the first one's more, they, they're all anti. They're, the first they one's more anti-Muslim. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, very anti-Muslim. They have the subplot of like, 
they, they do they, they think they do this in at least three or four i've seen where like a muslim woman is liberated by christianity like li- like christianity becomes a civilizing becomes a civilizing mission oh yeah uh, yeah i mean just the, the full line yep yeah oh god they oh gosh yes I, I remember there's like uh you know some some very standard issue southern white lady that walks up and just goes i wish you didn't have to wear that <laughs> yeah yeah because that's what christian evangelicals are known for liberating women from their oppressors but they, of course, this, is, this is like a retconned this is a retconned justification of imperial wars and the oppression of palestinians and um, syrians and afghanis but then they did uh or afghans and they did this um uh, and then in two, they have like, well, you should see it, but it's like the, the bad guys, like the ACLU and it's a bunch of, and they constantly use terms like secularists and stuff. And I'm just like, all right, my alarm bells are going off here. Um, <laughs> oh, man. And then they but, start uh, saying globalist and then they say banker yeah. and we're like, okay. When the okay. dog whistle you know, stops I, being for I want to say they actually did use the word globalist in one of those movies. I can't remember. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that Pure Flix guy is so fascinating because he was a washed out actor for many years. His wife is an yeah. ex like playboy model. You know, they, they've really, uh, run a, a true gamut david r white is that like you know in whenever you do media criticism you always shift back and forth from from cynical like or sincere like or just mm-hmm. they're just you know kind of true believers ideological or sinister is the kind of gradient you measure on and with white i got that i always get the sort of very i get the feeling he's he's a true believer so like i had a friend who who was a who was a co-producer on um one of those ghost stories on a e with like the ghosts you know, or whatever. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And people watch those and they really believe them. Kind of like ancient aliens where it's just complete fiction, but it's sort of, and I was like, what? And I was curious, I was like, what percent of people involved in that show like really believe it? And he's like, with all those reality shows based on like super supernaturalism or ancient aliens or whatever, it's almost, there's almost always like two or three creators who are like real true believers and everyone else on set and all the editors are constantly making fun of them behind their back and are completely ironic and are just cashing a paycheck. Wow. Which makes sense, right? Because like yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. get a hundred people to work on a show about fucking ghosts who are like, yeah, there's definitely really are ghost here. Um, <laughs> and I and I've always suspected with White that he kind of was the true believer, and that probably like half the people involved, especially a lot of the investors, because they've achieved, they've actually made, they've had some decent investors. Uh, oh, a ton of money. Ton. Uh, Those movies Netflix. on their budgets and, um, are insane. I think they're kind of just like. We got I, I got it like I don't think John Hagee's a true believer. I think he goes to bed every night saying he got away with it again. I, but I for some yes. reason there's something about David White that I, I get the impression he sort of buys his own bullshit. But I that's just in a that's just an intuition. I don't know why. Patreon episode. Find David R. White and ask him some questions, some hard hitting questions. <laughs> I love it. Should we uh, should we should we get into some atheism? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Uh, so this uh, this episode began the way all you know leftist <laughs> meetups do with a Twitter call out. <laughs> sure, uh, wherein I uh, gently said that I really love and appreciate the work that uh, Citations Needed does, and disagreed with one thing. And then Adam viciously responded, "Yes, I would like to nuance my point. Can I come on your podcast?" It was it was a lot of drama, guys. <laughs> well, you know, I was re-listening to that part, and I had a because I was a little bit conflicted about. It because like I don't actually usually in the show ever. I don't ever talk about my sort of. You know, in a weird way, I don't actually talk about my personal politics a lot. I mean, you could infer yeah, them, yeah. but I don't sure, like directly sure. address. Like I'm not, you know, we, we are, we are, we are as a show, we're aggressively non-sectarian. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some sometimes I think to our detriment, but we really don't like. Uh, ascribe to one particular current of leftism. We try not to be that way. Um, you could argue that's out of self-interest because it makes the show have broader appeal. 
Um, I think it's a little bit more that I think many of the sectarian differences are important later, but not important now. Um, and just yeah, the same, and I, I, I think it gives you a chance to move into so many different areas of critique. Yeah, we have different guests on who are, you know, we have anarchists, communists, socialists, the Democrats, you know, we're not, we sort of are generically left, uh, which is a decision we made early on. And, and yeah, and I don't talk about my perceptions of atheism. Um, the two times we've discussed the topic, we had a show on New Atheists. Um, I don't know if you all heard that one. I think it was episode 13. I yeah, I, I I have heard it. Uh, I, I yeah. didn't get a chance to listen to it for this one, but yes, uh, another fascinating subculture. To so basically, into. we called it neo we called it neoconservative bullshit. Yeah, um, and then we did an episode on the science versus like religion dichotomy that was used to using the pre like the sort of scientism as a way of erasing indigenous religion and, and yeah, one hundred colonialism. I think that yeah, was episode ninety. Um, so I think the two times we've addressed like atheism, we've, we've pretty much criticized atheism or, or what we've considered yes. a sort of professional atheist as a, as basically mm. just a neo-colonial bludgeon. Um, mm. and in the specific context that I was referencing it, um, first off, I think the word I ought to have used was secularism since I don't think atheism implies, I think the general point I was making, I, I said something to the effect of like, I don't think you can build leftist movements without atheism being central to that premise. And atheism mm -hmm. implies that I'm going to somehow audit the internal belief system of everyone involved in a leftist project, yeah, which is yeah. logistically very difficult. And would <laughs> yeah, <great. laughs> and there's would, a lot exclude, of surveys. It's a whole thing. It would exclude a great many number of people who believe in astrology or, or whatever uh, sort of. Yeah, I was going to say, believe. I mean, We'll we'll be fine. We'll have this conversation with you, but you got to watch out for those Twitter witches, man. They're out there like hexing <laughs> yeah. the moon and shit. Like you know, and so and so the the way I kind of perceived it was is that I think for the longest time the kind of, the the sort of you know fedora wearing atheist like uh, annoyed everybody for very good reason, <laughs> and then I felt like we came to a backlash where like we were more, the left was very permissive of of religiosity in in certain mm -hmm. spaces. Which is why I think the word I ought to have used was secular, because I think the idea is not that one can't have certain opinions or beliefs with with respect to the origins of the universe or the deity of Christ or whatever it happens to be, or whether or not Mercury's in retrograde or whatever it happens to be. Is that that those ideas not necessarily enter into how one uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, understands debates and builds leftist systems of like political movements. And specifically in the context I was talking about was what I believed as a kind of a, a religiously flavored form of, of solipsism and, and, and the, and the fetishization of suffering one finds in a lot of self-help literature. Yeah. yeah. E even in, even if it's ostensibly secular, I think it takes on certain religious components, uh, which is to say we begin to, look at suffering as something that's inherently good. Um, yeah. It, it's uh, it, it, it builds character guys. Yeah. And I guess like I, I, maybe this is, I, I feel like, and that's why I think secular was maybe the word I was reaching for. Cause it, it does it, what it, what secular implies is that there's a public space where we have debate and where I don't have to like give credence to an idea based on a, a religious assertion of any kind, right? Like mm, if someone mm -hmm. says, I think we should, um, you know, do this strategy or, or protest this thing because 
you know, Jesus told me or Mercury's in retrograde or Allah says so that like, yeah, that that the left has a long tradition of secularism for, I think, a very good reason. And it's a reason that I do think needs to be reasserted in certain in certain contexts. Um, and I think that if you look historically at successful leftist movements, they've generally been more secular, although, of course, not all. Like, I'm not going to, you know, there's a reason why the right wing Contras like killed priests and nuns. It wasn't because they were uh, reactionary. It's because they were leftist. Like, yeah, there's yeah, obviously yeah. history. There's a history of that in other contexts as well. Um, but I think the preservation of like secular space is actually very important. And asserting secularism as a as like a value is something that we people don't actually talk about a lot. And I think mm-hmm. it's largely because a bunch of fucking Sam Harris disciples like pissed in the well and like. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I think like enough time's gone by to where like what I would maybe argue is that 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 prominence of secularism, and and empiricism as a as something that is not you know just scientism or kind of a fetishization of 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 of, of institutional authority, which I do think can, that 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 kind of discourse can veer into. I don't want to do that, but at yeah. the same time, like I do think that the tradition of secularism on the left exists for a very good reason. And it's worth preserving in and of itself without descending into a kind of like, you know, Christopher Hitchens type chauvinism about the importance of or, or sort of a, a Macron, you know, kind of chauvinist liberalism either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was sort of the point I was trying to make. And I think I think like atheism was not the word I should have used. Um, I, I, I guess I meant atheism in terms of like what what systems we come up with like systems that are yeah yeah versus like auditing the personal internal uh belief system of various people on the left because i do think that can get a little messy for obvious reasons um uh, so that that was sort of that that was me nuancing my point to death like if that makes any no sense. I, I i love it i appreciate you thinking about that and uh bringing bringing it forward i think that's that's really valuable i i know that uh we have this conversation from the other angle as Christian socialists. I think so often there are sort of slogans around this sort of, I mean, small but present left-wing Christianity of like, oh, Jesus was a socialist. And and I think it, it's just, it ends up being yeah, a little simplistic. And even if it's not I, I, yeah. who cares? Jesus was obviously a communist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anarcho, no. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't matter and it's not helpful because what that does is it conflates the political goals with religious ideals yeah and i think i think it's important uh for people who are motivated by our faith to participate in these things to not wade in and be like well we need to do things this way because because jesus and that like you know in in better leftist christian spaces i've heard discussion about like hey our call is to be good comrades it's to show up for the fight it's not yeah. to it's not to be like setting policy or trying to dictate and control things, and uh, and that's why I think it's great when like you know uh, we go out and we protest with people, and I get a little iffy when it starts being like a guy in his like clerical collar existing <laughs> as sort of a vague leftist peacekeeper and sort of calling on his role uh, to to in some way influence what a protest is. I, I think that can get messy it starts becoming a different a dictate from what we're actually supposed to do which is to be out there doing the work of building a leftist project yeah i'll I'll say i'll say two things number one like the me the power dynamics of a particular religion have to be taken into account so 100 percent, yeah yes because culture culture is inextricably linked to religion and the erasure of culture 
by the right, say example, whether like a, a native, a native indigenous religion, for example, yeah. in a leftist space would be treated differently. Um, then yeah, agree, right? Like, and I think that was a nuance that I, or not even a nuance, but I think a, a sort of important context that is, we've talked about so much on my show. I didn't think it needed articulation, but maybe should have been. And I think the second thing is that I, the one thing I would say is I, I do believe that without romanticizing the past, I do think in current left spaces, they've, it's, it's not so much that things have gotten more religious. I think they've gotten more sectarian in a way that I find a little bit depressing. And I'll give you an example. Mm. So on the issue of Israel-Palestine, I think there is a long tradition of, of like a very secular leftist pers- uh, um, approach to the issue. And increasingly, I'm seeing groups emerge. Um, you know, God bless them. I think they're great. I think they mean well. But you have, you know, Christians for Palestine, uh, Jewish Voices for Peace, uh, you know, Muslims for mm-hmm. Palestine. And mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of sectarianism does not actually have a lot of traditional weight on the left for good reason. And I think as much as it's well-intentioned, I, I, I'm a little dubious about it. Um, you know, we have uh, religiously focused prison bailouts, uh, increasingly. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that can be sometimes a little dicey. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that there's a, that the sort of tolerance of religion on the left with what well, you know you're always trying to calibrate your power dynamic caliber right you don't want to you don't want to make broad <laughs> brush statements about like various oppressed religions but For i sure. think i think though that this is a little bit new and i am a little bit dubious about it and i think that um especially in a, in a topic like uh, israel palestine which to me and again i know why leftist jews want to say like as a you know as someone who's jewish or someone who's in the jewish faith i oppose zionism or i oppose the mm-hmm, uh, occupation mm-hmm. like i get that and i get why christians would say like you know 10 percent of palestine's christian and and because that that can sort of be a politically valuable thing in the short term to, to like if i run i told my grandfather there was Pal- christians in palestine he like didn't believe it he's like no no that's not possible wow. yeah. I, yeah. I have a christian um, palestine and friends yeah. Like, like, yeah and i'm like where do you think where do you think bethlehem is exactly um, <laughs> I, you know, having been there, it's funny. They're like, "Oh, here's where Jesus was born." I'm like, "You don't know that. That's just a guess." Yeah. Um, wait till wait till he learns uh, what color Jesus was. It's gonna blow his fucking <laughs> mind. And like, I so so I sort of get it, but I this is like my, this is where I don't I don't usually do this on the show. I don't sort of uh, yeah, veer yeah. into yeah, like pure pure ideological griping, but I kind of have a problem with that. I don't actually think. Mm. one's sectarian identity should actually be the way we formulate opposition to apartheid. I think it really ought to be about national liberation movements, not one's sectarian identity. That, that, that I think may have, I think I just come off that conversation with my wife, uh, Sarah Lazar, who contributes to the show a lot. And I think that was probably yeah, forming yeah. some of my gripe. Um, and that's kind of something I haven't really talked a lot about, but it's kind of been gnawing at me over the past few years. Yeah, and, I could tell um, even in the little bit you talked about it on the show that like this was something that you were passionate about. Like you could you could sense that you like this is something that you had considered. Yeah, like I think I think the secular space has become unfashionable and I'm just trying to think of a way of articulating a defense of secular spaces without it being a snide kind of Richard Dawkinsism. Like I, 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 does that make sense? Yeah, one hundred percent. No, I actually really like that. Uh, even as like sort of a communist Christian person, I think 
because I too, and we've talked a little bit about yeah. this podcast, the left is eating itself, has no material power. And then they argue on Twitter about like the joke on this podcast is who's a Leninist and who's a Maoist. And it's like, there's 30 of you. There should, you guys should all combine <laughs> your forces together. And so I, I actually do think one of the great creations uh, of the last several hundred years is the at least idea, which we've never really done, of a sort of sec- of a sort of public square space. You have your beliefs. They're not, they don't disappear necessarily, but it is a sort of secular public square where a pluralistic society can sit down. And I agree that the left, religion is a metaphysical thing. And I think our politics are material concerns if we're going to be Marxist about it, really. I and would so, hope so. And yeah. so I actually think they're, they, all of that should coincide for what you're talking about. Greater unity. Actually worrying about material concerns, not aesthetics. Like all like our political parties get stuck in. And sort of shunting aside a certain amount of the toxic element of identity politics for sort of a pan-left. Unity, I actually think, is essential for us to get any power in this country. And genuine intersectionality. It's not just right. like, oh, oh identity politics are bad, but that like that genuine intersectionality that uh, seeks to like uh, bring people together and also acknowledge the challenges and specific differences that people face. A successful socialist projects, however one feels about the moral properties of their ultimate you know, existence, whether it be Cuba or the Soviet Union or China or whatever it is, whatever you sort of mm. criticisms you have of what it became, you know, they historically, the ones that have done decently in Latin America and elsewhere, they've been pretty secular. Uh, mm. You know, the, 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 the opposite, the, the Palestinian resistance, uh, you know, there's a reason why Israel spent a great deal of money. Uh, Wall Street Journal had an article on this a few years ago about the, the way that the, the, the Israeli uh, government propped up Hamas because it was sectarian and it was mm, religious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the PLO was not and the PLO was not perfect by any means but like sec- secularism I think has a generally has a better success story to tell um, and I think that those who wish to divide left movements I think have an incentive to whatever it may be to make things hyper sectarian which is not to say the same thing as which is not a criticism of identity politics per se because I don't think religion for the most part is an identity although in certain co- contexts it certainly can be I think it's more about like what is the thing we all sort of agree on? Like, what? what how do yeah. you 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 have not to sound like Ezra Klein, but you have to have a shared reality. <laughs> and like, if I get in a left wing space with someone and they say, you know, I don't know, it's really important to me that we we wait to do this when, um, and not this is a bit of a straw man. I don't think this is common, but if someone says like it's important we do this. Uh, because, uh, you know, we, we have to do it around Easter because of resurrection or we have to do this because Merc- mm, we have to make sure Mercury's yeah. in retrograde. Like, I don't know. I don't think that that's particularly appropriate. And I there no, are limits 100%. to like, there yeah. are limits to tolerance. And I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I think that the, the success, you know, look, because again, secularism as a socialist ideal, like emerged largely because the state was indistinguishable from religion when it did, right? Like we had no liberal democratic yes. state. We had like there's a reason why a disproportionate amount of Jewish people in Eastern Europe were drawn to socialism. And it was because the alternative was a state that wanted to pogrom you and erase you. And like right. and saying here, you know, here's a space where we're not going to all be religious and we're actually going to like, dis, you know, dissuade people from being religious was a way of saying this is a space where Jews can thrive and live in a civil society. Um, but, you know, Napoleon was also sort of secular and he was a fucking monster. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not an it's yeah. not in and of itself good but i think it can be no it's a tool useful 
Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I felt like that sort of was on the downslope. My experience with sort of leftist movements is that like, yeah, no, 100 percent. It, it It's almost always like socialism plus something <laughs> and how much that something influences the actual political work, I think, varies person to person, obviously. Uh, but it's it's not uncommon uh, for me to see anything from you know Christians like us or or the like the aforementioned Twitter witches like it, it's <laughs> it's it is a space that I think increasingly uh, I, I don't want to say encourages but definitely sort of makes a lot of space for what yeah and what, one thing I think one one should be very careful to do is not disproportionately criticize I'm not saying you're doing this but I think one should not disproportionately criticize one superstition over the other so like. Yes, one complaint, agreed. one can, for example, people who believe in astrology, which is a pretty significant mm-hmm. percentage, one complaint they'll say is like you you mock astrology but don't mock you know religion, which is equally, if not more dubious, because of its 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 it's sort of like engineering. The more complex a machine are, the the more kind of bullshit it is. Like the more certainly more el- more morally culpable for crimes. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, and also, and also, like, the, yeah, there's not an astrology genocide going on, right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> um, or an astrology and, sex abuse scandal. Exactly, right? Um, which is true, and I think that when people say like we have to respect, you know, Christianity and Muslims, but we're going to mock astrology, that's like a fair criticism to make. Agreed. Um, yeah, but it's still like based on something that I don't perceive as being reality, or based in any mm-hmm. kind of shared reality. Uh, I just don't think it's any more than any other religion. Right. Like, I don't think it's it's like when Christians, I was growing up with mock Mormonism for like, you know, all the inconsistencies of the Book of Mormon. Like, well, come on. (laughs) Your book is just unlike our inherent inherent word of Christ. (laughs) It's just it's just older. Like, you know what I mean? It's just older. Uh, You know, and that therefore makes it more mysterious and and sort of gives it more gravitas. But just because it's older doesn't make it any more correct. So, like, you know, and that's true. And, I, you know, you don't want to dump on certain um yeah, I want to be careful that in as much as we're dumping on anything, we're dumping on our square. We're okay. gonna we're gonna dump on Christianity because yeah. that's our podcast. Nobody hates Christians as much as me. I fucking hate Christians, and I get well, to say yeah, that. you know, and I don't, and and like I, 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 so the word I should have used to to sort of be somewhat apologetic is I ought to have used the word secular because I, I think. I, I, you know, atheism, although it, it shouldn't inherently, because really that's anti-theism, but atheism yeah, exactly, exactly. implies a kind of degree of, of like totality or, or totalizingness that I'm not comfortable with because I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's also not with, it's not within the parameters of what I think I was talking about, you know, with regards to like left spaces or whatever, or left movements. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think values of secularism as an idea though, are worth defending and protecting without it being a kind of liberal chauvinism. Yeah. Um, and the problem is it very often becomes liberal chauvinism. And in the context of certain socialist projects, it has become a, a very oppressive force in and of itself. Um, yeah, no, true. We have to acknowledge I, that, right? We have and to I mean, the sti- yeah. The state will use religion to oppress people. The state will use anti-religion to oppress people. You can't really... I'm not going to like ding either for that. Like the state will use whatever yeah. ideology is at hand to hurt people. Yeah. I'd be remiss to not acknowledge that like the 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 if not explicitly athe if not explicit atheism, I think the 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 subjugation of culture is based on what what is perceived by certain governments as being backwards in religion. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fine line, right? It's a fine line. Uh, yeah. <laughs> has been historically a major problem that we have to like account for and talk about um, to be totally honest. So like, like I said, yeah. even, in the, even in the non-socialist context of Napoleon, like that, that's something you have to sort of say, okay, well, this is not an end-all be-all. Or look at Macron in, in France right now with his, yes. anti, yeah. you know, his anti-Muslim fucking uh, uh, laws they, or, or rules or laws they're trying to pass or will pass or the criminalization of of um, of uh, BDS activism in France. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that, which is obviously oh, yes. meant to target Muslims, right? So I, you know, I don't know. I I I, I sort of want to acknowledge the 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 extremities potential, possibly in what I'm arguing for, um, or rather the excesses and the way that can kind of go too far. But I I do think reasserting a secularism, or or the value of secularism, was kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I follow that and I see that and I, I appreciate that nuance. And to, to piggyback and agree on your point, I think, you know, if we're talking about our own like political and cultural sphere, as we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, with how how influential sort of general Christian quote unquote values have been politically that like creating a space for secularism is a powerful antidote to a current political system that is, you know, hugely influenced by a very toxic uh, form of religion. And that, like those those spaces are you know, like, sinking up again at, in our at large politics. If we're talking about something like abortion rights and healthcare, and that like creating a space for secularism in the left gives us a chance to be unified in addressing, you know, the fact that we're losing. We're losing pretty bad right now. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it's cute. I, th- I actually think you're bringing up a really important problem. I don't think it's cute when Liz Brunig writes about Amy Coney Barrett's Catholicism and, oh, maybe it'll mean she won't vote for the death penalty. It's like, none of that should be relevant. Your Catholicism, Liz Brunig, and Amy Coney Barrett's should not be fucking relevant in this piece talking about whether the state is going to execute somebody. And, and, yeah, and, and so the point I, is the state is executing people. Right, and I, I think... I So I do think you're, you're touching on the the way the headwinds are blowing. And, and I, I think there's, it, it would be good to fight for a sort of more neutral space, which I understand is already constructed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Amy Barrett thing is interesting, but uh, because it was, people kept having these conversations and like, you know, and people were, and you saw this, Catholics were using kind of, social justice language to to indemnify mm-hmm. themselves from criticism saying like you know you have to respect my religion this is my this is my identity this is who i am and like yep yeah no like i'm sorry like, <laughs> <laughs> you're a supreme and... court justice i don't have to you were you are one of the nine most powerful people in the country i don't have to fucking yeah. respect shit yeah <laughs> like... or, or at the very least like i don't have to take it seriously as like a concept right like yeah um oh. Not which, only take which, it seriously it, wait, as a concept, but like that means you get to decide through your prism of that religion yeah. of, on my life. Which, by yeah. the way, she voted to kill the people. So, right? Yeah. You know, we we saw how that worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, because it's it, it, the hardest. Pro- I think it's hard to navigate because culture is is inextricably linked to, to 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 religion, and you can't you can't do the thing that new atheists do, where you try to be a smug fucking prick to everything equally. Cause what do you end up becoming? You end up <laughs> hey, becoming, hey. you know, Richard Dawkins where you're just a fucking racist. Like it's not a, <laughs> or, or, or a hey. cultural imperialist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be a smug prick regardless, but not, not an yeah. imperialist one. <laughs> I mean, you know, King Leopold II in Belgium would routinely talk about the sort of primitive religions of Africa and how, how the secularism of his, his empire was going to liberate. I mean, this is the same shit. Done. 
Yeah, or, or Hitler's one. view on religion. Not to bring up Hitler, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. You couldn't make it through I know, one podcast. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> you know. So I don't. I with, but I still think you can calibrate for the that without necessarily seeding the concept of of secularism, which is maybe not the most original point or the most profound point. Um, but I, I uh, don't who's, know. who's, who's saying anything new? Yeah. <laughs> that's like... that's true. Wait, was profound an option? I've, I've never. <laughs> that's, that's why he has a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, thank you so much for, for sort of elucidating that and digging in. I, I, I think that was a valuable word. We, we weren't asking for any sort of apology, but it was very helpful to sort of hear you, not just your end goal, but sort of the process you walked to get there and sort of acknowledging, you know, the pitfalls on either side of this thing. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, as we establish our socialist Christian uh, theocracy, we'll be happy to yeah. make some space for the <laughs> citations needed people. Don't, don't put them against the wall. Um, no, because no, no, no. You know, it's an interesting question. It's something I've been talking about a lot lately with like in front, with friends and family, just sort of, a, you know, in passing. Um, and, you know, I, I think it ebbs and flows. Uh, when I when I first started going to protest movements, so I was a late bloomer. As I guess it was like 2012, 2013. No, it would have been... For, uh, well, I went to Occupy, but that doesn't really count because everyone went to Occupy. Um, <laughs> I guess I was like Speaking 14, of burns and leftist infighting. 14, like, four, you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah, like, Fight for 15, Black Lives Matter. There was a ton of religious people there. So it's like, yeah. I'm not, I certainly would never assert that they have no place on the left because then there would really be no left. And, and I do think, I do think it, there is something innate in the human condition that has allowed space for religion um, I, I guess I would just say that, um, you know, how that manifests or the public space has to have a certain set of grammar that does not does not involve superstition or, or, or uh, superstition is maybe too pejorative or involve involve a place where you can sort of assert things. Uh, yeah, the metaphysical any kind of empirical yeah. basis. Yeah, the metaphysical, right? You know, I think that's um, that's a nice word for superstition, but they are, you know, it's yeah, maybe that's a less. I love pejorative. religion, but it's non falsifiable. That's okay. <laughs> Which yeah. is why we always win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is quantum mechanics, but I still think that has a lot of value. No, I I, I think I agree. Issues of politics are material matters, mm-hmm. and, and I think that has been. I don't know if we've articulated it quite this clearly on this podcast, but you something know, uh, we've been sort of working through ourselves that like. We would like it, to, our politics, and I think this is true of all Marxists, to be questions of material concerns, and those are, by definition, not metaphysical. Yeah. You know, ironically enough, Karl, Karl Popper introduced the concept of falsify, falsifiability um, specifically to combat not just, well, Freud, first and foremost, because he thought most right. of Freud was bullshit, which he was right, it was. Uh, yes. But also, <laughs> uh, Marxism. It was, an, it was explicitly attacked on Marxism as uh, and what huh. he called... And what he called the, you know, it's the, the the ironic use of the immortal science. You know, Marx is provided, promoted as a science. Um, and yeah. he, he was right. saying that it's not because you can't falsify it, which is sort of true in a, in a strict sense. Um, although I would, I would argue that Marx, Marxism is a very, is actually a pretty predictive ideology uh, in many I ways. To, um, but I think, I always find that ironic that it was, it was, it was less about religion. And more, when he used it, it was more about going after what he viewed as the son of soft sciences. Uh, um, uh, economics, uh, uh, psychology, and and specifically mm-hmm. by name Marxism, which he which he thought was uh, a lot of fucking assertions and hot air. Um, so I don't know. I always thought that was funny, but um, um, and, str- <laughs> and, 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 and strangely enough, he himself ended up adapting um, some some pretty interesting um, uh, views or, or rather unfalsifiable views about the nature of quantum physics. Sorry, I just got done reading Sean Carroll's books on, on quantum mechanics, and he spends a great deal of time talking about uh, 
about the That's falsifiability awesome. about the falsifiability uh, uh, concept. Um, no, I love being, that as being somewhat incomplete. But anyway, um, you know we're an anti-reading podcast, so unfortunately we are going to have to cut that segment. But we appreciate the. <laughs> oh, <thought>. sorry. <laughs> We're just simple country lawyers. We we only. <laughs> That's right. We're those guys. With, we're those guys with two teeth and inherit the wind, protesting outside of the courthouse. It, it, um, it, we're basically just hillbilly elegy, yeah. and equally as problematic. Equally as problematic. Equally as classist. You know, I'm proud of hillbilly elegy. They said you couldn't be racist against white people, but they did it. <laughs> That's true. They did. They did. They did they achieve pulled that. It they, off. they they had a dream. No, that was that was Charles, Charles Murray's whole thing. He's like, you think I'm racist, and you think I'm all about you know race science? Well, watch me dump on poor white people and call them black yeah. fucking the next ten years. Oh man, um, yeah. Uh, challenge. That was the way. He, that was the way he protected himself against charges of racism. He just turned his ire on uh, Mima and Peepaw, and and single white mothers. Uh, and single, oh yeah, whose 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 uh, whose whose moral frailty can be judged only by their proximity to the poor black underclass. That is why they're so bad. Yep. Indeed. Wow. One hundred percent. I mean, we'll 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 do uh, promotions at the end, but definitely check out the listeners the citations needed episode with the Trillbillies, where they take a look at Hillbilly Elegy. It is a great deep dive, not just into what a fucking awful movie that was, <laughs> but also into Charles Murray and how he has been this asshole for a very long time. Yeah, he's been doing this shtick for a while, and this is just it's, a Charles Murray commercial. I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is just a way to like further launder his like utterly regressive, you know. Uh, Let's let's you know cut even more social programs uh, through a heartwarming quote unquote personal anecdote that that is also you know as somebody that has read a couple of these I, I just I just get the vibe that like there's there's a lot of uh, color twisting going on in that in terms of like how bad his life really was you know as someone who grew up pretty poor and pretty white uh, I, the only thing most people do with bootstraps is hang themselves with them well that was grim let's end on that note. <laughs> we'll send them home with that. Uh, we always have a competition for who can get darker on this podcast. So Zach, Zach gets the uh, gets that the was, golden that's, this that's week. There, that was thank like, you, uh, thank you. That was like, that was, that was like a, uh, a sort of throw, like a emo lyric from like the late nineties. Um, you know, uh, I was a kid stuff. in the nineties. There you go. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get you on the next Mineral album. <laughs> it's gonna be don't great. don't don't break my heart again. Oh wait, wait, we're a Christian podcast taking back Thursday. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for being with us. Where can uh, where can people find more of your work? Citations needed pod Twitter, I guess. Uh, Citations pod. Uh, that's where the Twitter. That's where the podcast is. I am yep. off Twitter till May, so that won't do them much good. Good um, man. But um, we'll be there pumping out shows. We got two more shows coming up before the Christmas break, and uh, that's what we do. Nice. Yeah, I, I we've mentioned Sorry. you guys on holiday our break. Now that I'm promoting secularism, that's um, right. Oh, canceled. Oh, you were so close to getting canceled. I was about to write way more tweets. <laughs> I have I have very strict rules about that. Actually, I'm like, okay, if you're like, if you're within like a day or two of Christmas, you should say Happy Christmas, right? Like, if you're within, sure. if you're like anywhere else, you should say Happy Holidays, because I think like it's okay to have certain religious holidays. You get a little pathetic. You get a little ridiculous with that. But I think it's when yeah, people say yeah. like Merry Christmas and like fucking October and I'm like, all right, this this is this Christian agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know your views on other things, but I guarantee you they're bad if you're saying Merry Christmas in October. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, you know, my response to all of those things is always healthcare, please. You know, 
Yes, that too. Uh, we've talked about you guys on the show before, but Citations Needed, one of my favorite podcasts. It, you guys do great deep dives into all sorts of different culture, cultural and political issues. And as somebody that grew up in a deeply conservative area, it has been a very helpful tool in sort of my own deep programming. You often don't know what you don't know until like you have somebody to like show you that. And it, it, it's a really helpful show for learning why uh, Giuliani was an asshole long before this current iteration of Giuliani being an asshole or checking out some like early 2000s uh, Muslim representation in film and how horrifying that was. There's a lot there. So pl- listeners, for the five of you that may not already be familiar, <laughs> definitely go check out Citations Needed. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the pod at shitty underscore pod or send us an email at shittychristians.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If I could ask you to do two things uh, before next week, it's dismantle capitalism from the ground up and rate and review us on iTunes. Mm